What's up, listeners? Thank you for tuning in to the Figure It Out podcast. Figure It Out podcast. Where we figure everything out from business, social media, marketing, and more. Because we are always living that marketing life. Living that marketing life. On this podcast, we fuel marketing through education, inspiration, and motivation. Fuel marketing through education, inspiration, and motivation. I am your host, Frank Ianzu. On today's episode, we have Corey Corbett. Corey Corbett does stuff. No, that's too unassuming. Corey Corbett Consultant was born more than 20 years of work in the storytelling industry. He's worked as an actor and is still in love with his craft. Founded in film festivals and worked in government and NGOs, he has run several businesses to some degree of success. Corey Corbett Consultant helps Chinese firms sell their brand to Western clients. He says brand because he believes we truly care about the purchases we buy from the individual or the company we trust. Corey would like to mention a couple of people before we begin the podcast. Without their direct contributions, his life and business would not be what it is today. First mention is his grandma, Joan Corbett. And the second mention is Wu Meng. Ladies and gentlemen, Corey Corbett. Uh, hi, Frank. It's great to join you today. Yeah, I'm excited because I'm in Ottawa and you're in Hangzhou and I used to live in Hangzhou. And even though we didn't get to meet in Hangzhou, we're still connected and I'm excited to have a chat with you. Likewise. How are you? How are you liking Hangzhou? Uh, interesting and beautiful place. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, every day I am just trying to learn more and more about both the language and the culture that I have chosen to start my business in. Have you had any struggles starting your business, being in a new country with a new language? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, overcoming those challenges as an entrepreneur is something that I'm well accustomed to. However, the language barrier itself does prove to be quite troublesome at times. And how, how do you get around that? Do you use apps? Do you have a translator? Are you practicing yourself? Is there a lot of like hand gestures, body uh, actions? How do you get around that? Absolutely. There is, uh, I'm trying to put in, you know, up to an hour of study every day, which is, you know, according to my peers, the people who surround me, my Chinese or Zhongwen is improving greatly. Uh, so I think that if I can keep this up, I'll be less reliant on the translators. How are you studying Mandarin right now? Uh, doing a lot of listening yeah. to the Mandarin conversation that surrounds me on a daily basis and using applications such as Anki, which helps challenge both the reading uh, of the Hanza, the Chinese characters, and also helps with speaking it back out and putting those bites together to make sense of them. A lot do, of repetition. Do you ever have moments when you're you're trying to say a sentence and you're you're, you're trying to, you're they're waiting for you to say the sentence and you're like piecing it together kind of like a Lego in your head like a and then you finally say it and then you're like yes I can do it I said it and then they're just like oh okay finally you ever have those moments? Oh yeah all the time pointed in the middle of conversations with uh, often Twitters to outright laughter and hysterical 
gesturing at uh, what I've mispronounced so badly that people uh, just can't help themselves but crack up laughing. When you do business in China, how much of it is it in English and how much is it in Mandarin or in Chinese? It's almost totally in English, which is why I'm studying so much Chinese because I would like to start changing that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those people who surround me, uh, especially my girlfriend who's sitting opposite me right now, is a wonderful help in terms of bridging the communication gap that exists. And what, what got you into wanting to be an entrepreneur in China? Because I know when we talked before, you've, you've been around many countries and done a lot of business elsewhere. What brought you to, actually, what brought you to Hangzhou first and why China? Okay, so I might actually start with why China first. Mm -hmm. It was about six years ago. I was working as an actor in Melbourne, Australia, where I'm originally from. And a Chinese production came to film in Melbourne, Australia. They shut down part of the CBD. Although I was only playing a small role, uh, just an extras part in that production, What I couldn't help but notice was the immense amount of financial resource that this Chinese production brought with it. It brought actors from mainland China, from other countries around the world, you know, Russian, Belarus. And it was a clear sign to me that China was investing heavily in their media and arts. And it was a very, very attractive idea that was planted inside me at that time to check out more about what China was doing and perhaps from the dying industry that was Australia's arts and entertainment industry, I might actually be able to get a foothold into the Chinese industry. Well, how much time did it take you to prepare for that? Like, okay, I, you, you saw the opportunity, you saw the idea. How much preparation did you need and research did you put in before you took the leap to actually move to Hangzhou? Initially, it was just about downloading WeChat, which is an all-powerful application that it's a Chinese company, as you're well aware, Frank, but perhaps for our listeners, you know, it's a mix of most media applications that we have in Western culture rolled up into one. And through that, connecting with agents and artists throughout China to see how viable the entertainment industry was for this, well, Westerner from Melbourne who really understood very little of the language. I've, uh, since I've been back, I've actually noticed like through movie premieres or like previews that Tencent, who owns WeChat, is actually, like you said, putting a lot of money into movies now. Yeah, and I think that, you know, it's, it's great. I think that most, oh, perhaps not most, but a, a lot of productions coming out of the United States, for example, in Hollywood, are backed with huge amounts of money coming from China. And in that respect, I feel like China is supporting a great deal of the global industry of, you know, putting films together from, you know, productions like Star Wars. Not hard to see the logo of Tencent pop up on the screen as, you know, one of the major funding contributors to the production. Yeah, it's pretty wild. You're kind of going back to WeChat. WeChat is life. It's just compared to all the other apps, it does everything. 
send files, images, videos, group chats, text, like e-money transfer, which is just, I don't know why, I don't know, I can't speak for America, maybe in Australia, but for Canada, it's like people still use their debit cards. And I'm like, why do you still have a debit card? So it's pretty interesting how powerful WeChat is. Yeah, same in Australia. It's debit card everywhere. In fact, uh, you know, like a lot of non-Chinese living in China, we use VPNs to connect with the outside world. And when I do, I still see advertisements for, you know, tap and go. Uh, yeah. This use of a plastic card. And it just feels so antique to watch those advertisements in a society where you scan your phone. There's no physical contact contributor to, you know, keeping the coronavirus at bay uh, it's true. here in China. It's true because right now in Ottawa or in Canada, you can't use cash. So, but then I, people are still using a debit card. That's like, it's the same thing pretty much almost. And if you just had a scanner, you know, a QR code, it's a done deal, you know? So it would be, it would take away a lot of risk of getting COVID. So. Absolutely. And just moving back to my entire launch into China for a moment, mm-hmm. what I decided to do after years of thinking about coming to China is I finally made the leap last year and I moved to the you know center of culture, which is Beijing in China. Yeah. And I set myself on a five-week trip to China with the idea of, you know, fairly firmly planted that I wanted to live in this environment. But again, not knowing anybody in China and not knowing the language were huge, you know, barriers. And since then, a lot of people have called me very brave. I'm not sure that bravery uh, was something that I ever thought of of myself before this time, but certainly I'm starting to take that on, you know, as a brave step. Again, more in hindsight, like a lot of discoveries that we make as individuals are. But in moving to Beijing, I didn't know a single human being. And after just a couple of weeks, I felt confident in my ability to both network with uh, local you know, inhabitants of Beijing and also the business community in Beijing. And it was a really wonderful moment where, yes, I can live here. At the end of December, I went back to Australia to, you know, sort of pack up and finalize my life in Australia and get ready for the big move of everything to China. And of course, in that time, COVID-19 hit. Yeah. And so living in Melbourne, Australia is like a lot of major Western cities, a very expensive venture. I had no income at the time. So I was spending my saved capital just on living and i didn't really want to go to china the heart of covid19 at you know at early to mid january time uh, as it was becoming more and more a global crisis that has morphed into the pandemic that it is and so i decided to go to northern thailand to a little place called pai which is a very artistic community do a lot of meditation And by meditation, the main drivers for that were a solid realization after years of doing full-time work in Australia that both financially and mentally, being an actor on a full-time basis is not a viable option. And that coalesced into 
I guess a little bit of a crisis of putting food in my mouth and paying my bills. Yeah. So I needed to come up with a business that I could run because I feel like, you know, I am definitely employable and a very good worker when it comes to working for somebody else's vision and somebody else's creation. I can slot into a system very well. However, more and more throughout my life and my ventures into running film festivals, for example, I'm less wanting to work for somebody else's goal and much more wanting to create something that's new and unique and bigger than myself in the world. And one of my mentors, Andrew Morrissey, who runs a media company in Melbourne, Australia, who I used to study at university with, really challenged me in a really positive way to look at what could be a business service offering that I could bring to the world. So not a fully fledged business idea, not a, you know, massive life goal, not a massive dream, but just one single thing that I could do that I could start asking for money for, just one simple service. And through the time that I spent in Pi, I was meditating on what could I do as a business offering. And the day that I realized that I could offer media as a form of consultancy to Chinese companies to help sell their business, whether that's just a service business or whether that's a product business or both, to the Western world was the day that I contacted my girlfriend in Hongzhou and I said, I've got it. We started talking about coming here to China because Thailand was starting to shut down because of the coronavirus Yeah, and starting to think that, well, actually China is now, you know, this is mid-March, looking like the safest place Mm -hmm. to be. And so with a reasonable amount of difficulty, I was able to book flight from uh, Chiang Mai to Bangkok and then flights were cancelled to China. So no company would fly you from uh, Thailand directly to China anymore. Uh, things were getting really kind of locked down at that time. Uh, so I was able the day after to get a flight going through Laos and into Hongzhou, where I eventually arrived and spent two weeks in quarantine in a 14 meter square apartment in Hongzhou with my now girlfriend. And we've decided to live together since. Uh, what I've discovered in Hongzhou is a vibrant business community, uh, formerly the area that Xi Jinping looked after. And I can say that, you know, what he's left behind here in Hongzhou, at the very least, is a wonderful... How often do you still meditate? Is it like, and has, have you evolved like deeper into finding yourself and looking into the future through meditating? Oh, absolutely. So I started meditating at a very, very young age prepubescent, fell out of meditation for a while and then started getting back into meditation in my early 20s. It's something that has always drawn me. I know that with even just a, I think yesterday morning is a great example, even with just three minutes of really conscious focused breathing as a form of meditation, 
my day was much better than it had been the day before. I would like to be meditating daily, and it's something that I have been striving to do for quite some time, and I hope that I'm getting closer to that, cementing that daily practice. So, yeah, I mean, meditation does contribute, I think, a lot to my success, not just of my day, but certainly of my life. I'm excited to start, and I'm happy that you actually brought up, because now it's like, okay, I met someone who's used it, and it's helping them, and like you're, you're taking a big step in a new country, in a new culture, which I've done, and you had motivation from one of your good friends. So now you have some, you have someone kind of hold you accountable. Kind of going back to what you said about Hangzhou and Beijing, like you, you, you went to a country, you didn't know anyone, but then you, you, you realize that I can do this. I can network. I can meet new people. I can grow my business. I can grow myself. And I think it's, I think a lot of people know, they don't realize that the people in China, whether they're the locals or expats, everyone's very welcoming. They, it's very interesting because you have people from all over the world who are trying to do what you're doing, you know, make it, make a name for themselves, be different. And I think it's amazing how the community there, like it's a big country with a lot of people, but, but actually it's very welcoming and very supportive. Yeah, extremely welcoming, extremely supportive. And I'm just taking all of it that I possibly can. Yeah. Using that as inspiration to maintain my focus of creating this this business that is much bigger than myself already how did you slowly begin to network in Hangzhou specifically because when i got when i first went there which was eight years ago it was not what it was today there wasn't all these fancy buildings uh, western restaurants big shopping malls as many foreigners as many new tech companies as many investors but over the years it's blown up and kind of what you said is um, Xi Jinping really left his presence of success and, you know, thriving and growth. So how how have you adapted to that? Yeah, look, I I feel like everything that was available to me in a visceral sense is available to me here. So everything you can get in a big city, whether that's, you know, Montreal, New York, Melbourne, Australia, or Los Angeles, you know, we can eat good Mexican food here. And I think that's just one of the ways that this is becoming a really metropolitan hub. In terms of how I've gone about networking here, uh, one of the things that I've done is create an English corner. So I'm starting up a business here in China. It takes a lot of my time and a lot of my energy. I don't know many people here in Hongzhou. So I take it upon myself to say, look, I've got this skill of competence when it comes to the English language. And I've just started an English corner in the local cafe just across the road from where I live, where I invite local Chinese people to come and practice their English. And it's turned into a really rich resource of business owners and employees and students at university that come and not only share their experiences and help me with my Chinese practice, but also gain a lot of rich information about a free place to practice their English language, mm-hmm. which I think, you know, it takes both time and preparation from my point of view to organize it, but gives back in, you know, cultural dividends in terms of that network of community. I think that the Western community here in Hangzhou 
is already good at organizing networking events. And I've been lucky enough to partake in one of those networking events on social media just recently in Binjang, you know, the home of Alibaba and, you know, quite a new part of Hongzhou. Mm-hmm. And in and of that, I'm developing quite quickly a fairly large support network. As you mentioned before, Frank, it's a really lovely and inviting place. If you want to be engaged and you want to be part of life here, people welcome you with open arms. And it's a really lovely experience. Yeah, and I think a lot of people who've never been there, and it's it's unfortunate the media, you know, nowhere is perfect. Like whether it's there or even Canada or Australia, nothing's perfect. No one's perfect. And it's it's like you said, it's supportive and the people are friendly and they're welcoming. And I have made so many friends and connections and was brought into, you know, different cultures. And it's it just shows that it's a big city. Like I said, it's a big city. It's a lot of people. And it is, like you said, metropolitan. You could get pretty much anything you want there. There's some things in Ottawa that I can't get because it's so small compared to Hangzhou. So it, it is interesting. And I think it's great that you're doing the English Corner to get your name out there. And, you know, you're providing value. And you're connecting. And that's going to help down the road for sure. And how has it helped you so far? Any What was the big step that you're like, okay, this actually happened because I put work in into networking? Do you have a story where an example of... <laughs> You know, something really can't, like a kind of a reward in a way, not a big one, but a small one. Oh, look, I mean, I've got a reward, I guess I'm still working on. Uh, it doesn't relate so much to the English corner that I set up, but I am a lover of coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, Melbourne, Australia is, you know, the hub of coffee, if you like, on the international community. That's true. Very much the global, we know how to do coffee culture. Melbourne doesn't get a lot of things right, but in terms of coffee, it's an amazing mecca. You can get whatever you like, you know, from anywhere in the world when it comes to coffee. The range of choice and the quality of the product is, you know, almost unsurpassed. So I have a quest uh, on my sideline of finding out good coffee wherever I am. And my story for this begins on this place called Mao Tea X Mao Coffee. And no, it's not a a rich reward at the moment at all. Just finding Mao Mao Tea X Mao Coffee was a mission. There was no directions. It was inside an old banking complex here in Sihu. And the entrance on any side you had to walk through for example a starbucks to find the cafe yeah finding the cafe was the reward though (laughs) and the reward was omg coffee this coffee is you know melbourne quality coffee and through my girlfriend who helped translate from mr liu the owner not only does he give out free little juices that he's made that morning with every person who comes, you know, for every person who comes in to have a coffee in the space. But he told this story about going up to a mountaintop to collect the fresh water that he uses to make those juices. And that was the moment that I think seeded the idea that I want to work with this man who runs this cafe. He cares about his coffee to the nth degree. 
but his business skills are severely lacking. I can't see how he's possibly running any sort of profit whatsoever. And just to find the place, you need to call. You can't just stumble across it. It's not in any public area. Uh, It's in the atrium inside buildings. It's mostly empty most of the time. And his running costs, though cheap, you know, he's at, I think, 50 coffees a day is his best sort of day. So he's hardly making ends meet at the moment. And I want to keep drinking a good quality coffee. So there's a part of a, a selfish interest there for me to come in and help him with his business so that I can continue to drink good quality coffee into the future, well into the future. How I, I, I've, I've had the same situations with you where you're like, oh man, I found something that's actually I care about. I also love coffee and like as, like as much as you do, and you're right, Melbourne's got really good coffee. How did you, for, for me, I had a lot of struggles, especially at the beginning when I would be, when I would be like, at the same thing, I would notice that they have a good product, just a bad business plan. How did you approach and how, and what was the trick, not trick, but what was the key turning point of convincing them to let them trust you and work with you? Look, that's an ongoing battle. Okay. And it's something that is, you know, I, I walked in and I said, hi, I help businesses. It was definitely a conversation, you know, selling the idea that this is my business and that I'm going to do this for you for free, which I think really helps in any business situation. And I think that the repeat business, the fact that I keep turning up there and, you know, building that level of trust and reliability that, you know, I do actually love the product gives anybody the idea well hang on why don't i just spend five minutes and listen to who this person is if they're offering to help me they obviously care about what i'm doing and building that trust just through regular visitation to the cafe i think was you know paramount step one yeah it's totally true and it is it is always an ongoing battle i think that there is a lot of the same human characteristics here in China that we face in the rest of the world. Yeah. I think that I meet a lot of people in my life who say they've thought about going into business for themselves. And people who say they really want to go into business for themselves. But most of the time, what I hear is that talk. I don't actually see that turning into an action. There's a lot of you know, books that I've read and, you know, talks that I've listened to. And a lot of the same advice gets pushed out again and again by people who have already made their businesses and who've already become successful in any respect, whether that's just the local, you know, cafe across the road who, you know, they make enough money to pay their bills to do a little trip every now and again and to have access to a vehicle. And, you know, they feel proud. But this idea that starting a business, you have to go all in, is not the case in this digital world. And so almost every single person that I encounter doing this, I keep trying to encourage them, just start. If it's just one hour per week, please just put that energy, put that, you know, 10 years that you've been telling people that you want to start a business into one hour of actual business work once a week. 
it, you know, you don't have to quit your full-time job, but what you have to offer to the world, and I believe all of us do have something that we can improve this world with, you know, we've all grown up in very different ways to each other. And it's that connectivity and communication between us that I think makes us stronger in humanity. And that can be turned into a business tool. So if somebody says they want to start their own business, I'm like, please just start. Put an hour in per week and, you know, start feeling the reward of getting that happening. I love, I love the, I love what you just said because it's so true. Put, put like, just do a little every day. It doesn't have to be big steps. Just the first step is the most important. Even just an hour a day. Don't watch Netflix. Don't. You know, don't scroll on Instagram, you know, put an hour a day, read that extra paragraph to learn what you need for your business. And I actually had a conversation with someone recently and he said, you know, try to be 1% better every day. And if you do that in a year, that's 360% more than you were before. If you do that every year. Yeah, I love it. And I think that in that, you know, just surrounding yourself with positive things, you know, for a chunk of your day is a really good step towards that. Because you don't have to look far to be disappointed or to be convinced not to do something. Uh, you know, that's easy to find prohibitive measures in the world when our reptilian brain, you know, thinks, oh, you know, one mistake at work, possibly fired, possibly the end of food, possibly the end of my house, possibly the inability to pay bills, uh, and, you know, and I'm dead. Yeah, And I think that, you know, it's really easy to follow that negative loop. And so one of the big things that I'm about at the moment is creating positive loops where you put out good energy or you receive good energy, whether that is an amazing podcast or whether that is, you know, an inspirational, you know, subject matter that you're reading or listening to. But put that in because what you end up, putting out is what you put in you know you are what you eat is Mm -hmm. an old symbol of you know humanity that still holds true put healthy things in your body and you get a healthy output it's the same with your digital input if you put the healthy stuff into your body the inspirational stuff into your body it's really hard not to put that out to the world later on in your day no man, you're totally right. I love, I love the, I love the creativity part, and I love the positive, like the positive side of it. And it is unfortunate that somehow negativity can slow us down so fast. And and no, you're totally right. Like what you put in, what you put out. Like if you want to be healthy and fit, work out. You know. So no, you're totally. I love what you're saying, and it's totally true. Put in the work, and you'll get rewarded. Like why, why not? You know, why, why would something not work for you if you if you tried? You know. Absolutely. And that's where even just a couple of minutes of meditation every day can really turn the tide on how you wake up and how you look at the day, which is why I'm trying to cement that as a daily practice in my life even now. No, I think, and I I'm actually can't wait to start meditating. So I'll let you know how that goes in a week or two, but for sure. How do you use positivity or creativity now going forward for your business? Uh, in every aspect that I can. So. I do have a big vision for my business. And at the moment, I am starting incredibly small and for free, which I think is a great way of testing whether or not you want to do it. Do it for free. And if you still are motivated to get up and you're still motivated to do that work, 
for free. Well, I think you've got something that you can turn into a monetization. And so, you know, I work with a lot of people, even in the short time that I've been here in Hongzhou, who openly say to me, you know, I love your passion. You know, I feel very humbled by this, of course, because it's really quite something to have people offer up their time and energy to me, whether as a resource or whether you know, they have something they want to impart to me and they feel passionate and motivated to do so. You know, I take that not lightly. And so when people notice how passionate I am and that they want to work with me because of that passion, I feel like I'm in that positive feedback loop. I'm surrounding myself with positivity. My output is being received positively. And then the people that I'm choosing to work with and surround myself with are, you know, inspired by how positive and how passionately I'm chasing, you know, my means. No, I, I think it's a great approach because you can't just show up and be like, hey guys, like work with me. I'll, you know, I'm gonna make you rich or whatever. Like you're 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 providing value, you're showing what you're worth, you're showing what you can do, and you're showing that you're passionate. And I think that for sure is gonna go a long way because people love that, especially nowadays. And I think we talked about this last time is like the storytelling and like it's just well, that's what it is. Yeah. Life is a story. Mm-hmm. You know, the people that we celebrate and the people we put up on our pedestals, you know, whether they're our personal heroes or our business heroes, you know, we like their story. We may not even know who they are personally, but what we like is the story that they've put into the world. And those stories help to inspire us to reach you know, our next level of greatness. Now, I might completely fail for, you know, who knows how long. I don't feel like I'm failing now and I don't feel like failure is a bad thing. I think not learning from your failures is not a positive thing. But also from a philosophical standpoint, then there's something to look at to learn, you know, why is it that I've got this block? Why is it that I keep failing in this way? And I think that this is a measure for, okay, do we start to look at, are you just trying to do something that you don't have the skills or resources to do? And is that the reason that we're failing? Because those are learnable skills. You know, you can find those resources. Or, you know, is it something that you actually don't want to do? Are you just trying to keep up with the Joneses? In which case, you know, following that career path, following that, you know, architectural style of, you know, getting the same house as the next door neighbor might not be something that's going to suit you ever because personally you don't relate to that on a level that's meaningful for you. So if the only thing that you're trying to do is keep up with somebody else's appearance, then, you know, that's all you're ever going to really get to and you're probably going to fail along the way because there's nothing personally driving you to reach that goal you you just said how you were kind of i don't want to say you accept failure but you don't mind it you know because sometimes you got to learn you got to learn how to win by losing how, what what is that keeps you motivated push, and you keep pushing forward without without holding anything back i realized that what my business is is extremely positive number one the Feedback that I get when I put my business idea into communities is everything from, wow, I want to buy shares in your business already. 
you know, the mild-mannered approach of, you know, this sounds really positive. I want to see where this goes. And it's really hard to ignore, you know, 98% positive feedback. And I think this is probably the biggest area where I suggest to other people who are serious about getting their business off the ground is put that idea out into the community. Post it on your social media, post it, you know, on your LinkedIn, put it into your conversations with your friends and your colleagues and ask them, if this service exists, what would you think about it? Would you use it? Would it be something that excites you? Because if what you're getting when you ask those questions is yes, or when is it available, or can I try it now? You've got something that the community wants. And I think the only way to really start a business is to identify a need within your community that you can fill with your business. And if people say that they want what you're going to make, I think you've got the green light to go ahead and start doing it. Your community, the people you surround yourself with, are already on board. How how much how much of what you're want what you want to do and how much you're trying to do, how much is it how much of it is a new idea to the community that you're in now, especially in Hangzhou? It doesn't seem like it's a completely new idea, which, you know, I'm also happy not to be a complete trailblazer. I like the fact that there are people who are already making their livings uh doing what I'm doing or doing what I'm planning to be doing, which, you know, not only tells me that the people who I'm getting the feedback from are right, yes, this can be a business, but it also tells me that it can be a business that can, you know, pay my rent and, you know, keep me fed. I don't know of many people doing this. Certainly the vast bulk of foreigners who I've met here in China are, you know, either teaching or bringing in Western experts into Chinese business. I've yet to meet anybody who wants to do what I'm doing, which is I want to sell Chinese businesses, their products and services to the West. It will help with competition. So the more that we have healthy competition in our marketplace, the better that the design gets for the implements we use in our daily life, all the services. And also the cheaper the price point becomes for us as the end consumer of that product or service. So I just can't wait to add to what seems to be a small pool of people that are really helping Chinese businesses find their footing in the international marketplace. Yeah, I think after living there and, you know, from everyone that I know, that's a great idea because I don't know that many people doing it and it is hard to do, but not really because kind of what you said earlier with the digital world, post it on LinkedIn, see if it's a good idea, see if people want it. And it doesn't take like you like, like like even what you said earlier. Just try, put in that one hour a day, and see what happens. And I think it's if you can get the ball going on this, you're you're probably laughing. Well, I kind of think the same. Uh, getting the ball going is how long a, is a piece of string? Kind of question. One of the you know stories I guess that I keep hearing over and over again is this idea that there's going to be a few defining moments in your career or in your life that you've got to be ready for. You know, it's that idea of dress for who, dress for the role that you want to have tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Dress for the job that you want to be in, in 10 years. You know, 
surround yourself with the life that you want to move into. Who cares if, you know, the person on the street laughs at you because they think you look silly in this environment? You know, you don't want to be in this environment anyway. Yeah. Most people, when you ask them, are you happy with where you're at? Maybe not most people. I'm surrounding myself with less and less of these people. But a lot of people aren't happy with where they're at. And one inspirational quote I heard just a little while ago was along the lines, an unhappy person, you know, who fits in with the rest of their society, you know, who wants to be hired by that means, you know, who wants to be hired by trying to fit in with everything else that's happening? You know, that's much harder to, you know, move up any sort of ladder in your personal life or your career life by fitting in to look like everyone else, to behave like everyone else. It's a much easier route just to be you, to be a different version that's so outside the box that you, you know, make those people who are in the influential decisions in your life and career take notice of you and want to be around that energy that you provide because it's different from the norm. And then if you succeed by fitting in so well, who's hiring you? You know, it's somebody who's disinterested, somebody who's not engaged, somebody who, you know, doesn't put any passion into their search because otherwise they'd hire the person that is outstanding in their field. They'd hire the person who's outstanding in the way that they live their life. You know, they're a point of difference when all they see is the same sea of grey. And I think that, you know, when you look at life through a lens that allows you to put that into a logical order, it's much easier to get up in the morning to work hard on being the best that you can be. Fuck trying to fit in with anybody else. You know, I like other people, I get along with other people, but why try to be them? Why try to be in the same ecosystem as them? You know, I've got my own life journey, like we all do. Well, I'll try to live that to the best I can. Yeah, you're, you're totally on point because if everyone was the same, it'd just be boring. We, we wouldn't have interesting conversations. We wouldn't have interesting stories. We wouldn't be able to share experiences. But if everyone, like, I love, I love the word different and creative and even positive. If everyone was different and creative in their own way, think of the stuff that we can come up with. Oh, this would, you know, I mean, it already is an incredible world that we live in. Mm-hmm. But yet, it's just getting better and better. I find, I find after living in, in China and coming back here, and I don't, know, I don't know if there's just more people, which means more brains, but there's also a lot more, like it's more competitive, I think. And that's why I think it's just people aren't realizing how booming, especially Hangzhou is, and then how fast things are growing. And, I don't know, some parts are going to be like, well, where did this come from? You know, and I think it's from being different, being creative and moving forward. Mm, absolutely. Look, I mean, we have such a rich life in most civilized places in the world. You know, we're looking at less war than ever before at this point in history. There's less famines than ever before in history. We've eradicated most diseases, really were problem diseases in the world. We've eradicated most hunger, you know, in the world. Yes, these problems still do exist, and yes, they're real, and yes, we should fight for them. But the whole world is starting to look a lot better. You meet people who think, you know, I was born in the wrong lifetime. I wish I was born in the 12th century. No, you don't. (laughs) 
<laughs> not with no running water, not with no toilet, you know, uh, not with no, you know, showers, no baths. You know, even if you're a king back then, you know, come near to the luxury that you can enjoy now, even in a, you know, a second world or third world country. Yeah, you're totally right. So where do you see, where do you hope to be? I don't, I hate, me personally, I don't like having a time on something like, where do you see yourself in a year? Where do you see yourself in five years? But where do you, because it just puts more pressure on you and I think it's a bad idea, but where do you think things will eventually be down the road for you and your new business in China? Look, I'm actually taking it with a flow. And not to be too abstract with answering that question, it's a good question. There's a lot of things that have happened to me that are completely unexpected. So one of the things that's happened to me, uh, one of the people I look up to is one of my clients, actually, Mario Cavolo. And I thoroughly recommend having a look at his work. Throw him into Google and you'll come up with his articles and his uh, videos on Chinese news services. And most recently with George Galloway on RT News UK. He's been like you and me, you know, here living in China. He's been living in China for over 21 years now. Wow. And he's just hit a certain level of fame here in mainland China, which I'm now starting to help to spread to the world. So certainly. On my business front, so this idea of Corey Corbett consultancy and selling Chinese businesses to the West, this is a long-term you know, goal. This is something that I really hope that I can continue to do for the rest of my life. What is that going to look like? Well, at different points, probably very different things. You know, I'm yeah. hoping it's going to be an upward trajectory along the way, that it's just going to be successful holistically successful but you know reality always has plans and you know i can't begin to control you know what the next 30 40 years of my life might look like in a working capacity i just know that i'd love to continue to do what i'm you know starting to do now or what i'm doing now but the reason that i bring up mario is because he was asking for my help to find a publicist and I knew a publicist in Melbourne, Australia, uh, a good friend of mine, Tess Fox, and coronavirus had just hit and, you know, she'd lost her business, sadly. You know, I asked her and she said no. So I went back to Mario and I said, look, sorry, I, I did look for that publicist for you. However, um, you know, for whatever reason, she said no. He said, why don't you do it? And I said, well, I've never been a publicist before. And he said, well, I've never been famous before. And so I said, well, look, I can give it a shot. So wherever my life is headed, yes, I think this business of helping tell the story of Chinese businesses in a way that the West can not only relate to, but actually start to, you know, really grab an affinity for and say, look, I see myself in that story. You know, I see the perseverance. I see the persistence. I see the blood, sweat and tears of starting my own business or, you know, working in a high-level role, like a CIO or a CEO of a company, and making that human for the West. I think that's going to be a lifelong journey. The other side of my life, though, is doing PR management for Italian US citizen who's been living in China for 21 years and also continuing my creative works and 
putting on voices for a radio program that is, you know, 240 episodes filming in Beijing, you know, whether I get the role or whether I'm instrumentally successful in pushing Mario forward, I'm going to follow what my callings are in life. And I'm not going to turn a blind eye to them just because, yes, that means I have to put more work into my day. Or, yes, that means I have to structure my day, you know, even more finitely. So one thing that I've been doing is over the last sort of year is, for example, a work process of 30 minutes or 20 minutes. And literally what I'm going to do is I'm going to do Chinese study and then the alarm will go off and that's my Chinese study done. And then I'm going to work on the website content, half an hour timer, go, and then stop at the alarm. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to work on the film production, half an hour timer, then done. Because essentially half an hour is enough time to get something done well. It takes more than half an hour. It means one of a couple of things. One, it's not worth doing, and that's okay. There's lots of things that, you know, you're just better off palming off to someone else or evaluating whether or not it should be done in the first place. You know, maybe there's a better idea or a better better, uh, service that you could be going with. And two, if it's too big to do in half an hour, that's fine. But that means that you need help. You need to put in systems. And so half an hour gives you an idea of, well, can I get it done? Or do I need a system to put in place? You know, do I need consultancy myself? Do I need to consult with an expert in this field to optimize this, whatever this is at that moment? I love, I love your, 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 your passion and how dedicated you are, how committed you are. Cause you're, you're taking it with, it seems like it's, you're taking it with caution, but like right caution. You're like, okay, I need, I know I need to do this and I know I need to do this little thing. And I know that it's going to be hard, but that's okay. I'm accepting it. And, it can't go unnoticed how how determined you are. And I think it's, I can, you know, I can feel it on this side of the world and I think it's great. Thank you very much, Frank. So as we head off, what's what's one thing you'd want the listeners to know, like overall, like whether it's with positivity, failure, starting your own business, working in Asia, especially China, what, what would be one thing that you'd want to leave at the end, at the end of this episode? That I would suggest to everybody, go for it. That it is not definable by me. It's only definable by you. And that it should be the thing that inspires you. I think that a lot of people, including me, at certain times in my life, run away from their it. You know, it's too big. It's too scary. It's too unknown. But that just means we often need help. You know, really, I would like to see everybody starting their own business. You know, if you're a, I don't know, if you're a bank teller, you know, why do you have to work for one bank? Why can't you work for every bank? You know, we live in this digital age. Why can't the best customer service representative work for every company? You know, because essentially what it is, is we like to be understood. And we like to feel like we're valued. And the people that leave us with the best impressions when we have Interactions with businesses are the people who care about our experience and who are not short-sighted and can see that the experience that we're left with today is the impression that we'll have of that business and the level of want to come back to that business in the future. So, you know, I encourage everybody out there who's got a dream of a business or a dream of 
something that is bigger than themselves to make it, uh, to not be selfish. And I think that's probably an even bigger thing. Don't be selfish. Your ideas are often much bigger than you. You know, a lot of what I've said tonight is a collection of stories that I've inherited from people that I look up to, follow and listen to avidly. They're people who help me and support me in my business. This idea that I'm starting this business and it's my business is true to a point. Without me, this business is not going to advance and move forward. Yeah, that's true. But it's much bigger than me as an individual. Without my clients or without my peers or without my advisors, I don't have this business. This business, if I try to run every part of it, you know, if I'm not paying for the services of a website developer to make my website look good, if I'm not paying people to do the things that I can't do brilliantly, then what I end up delivering to the world is something that's not brilliant. And, you know, that's why I can comfortably call myself an entrepreneur is because I pay people who I find who are brilliant in what they do to do that work that I'm not brilliant at for me. And, you know, I mean, that was something that you recommended to me, actually, Frank, was listening to the Seth Godin and Debbie Millman conversation or podcast. And, you know, that, that was something that just rang through over and over again is that level of not only persistence, but the idea of an entrepreneur, you know, is somebody who is looking to get the brilliance out of everybody else and then upsell that as you know, a product output and someone who does a business, you know, somebody who gets brilliant at that one thing. And I think that's a really healthy distinction to make in this world that's obsessed with entrepreneurial spirit at the moment. Yeah, you're, you're totally right because kind of what Seth Godin has said is you're not, you're not, you're not for everyone. You can't make everyone happy, but you can have a tribe, right? And what you said exactly. is like, I'm not, I'm not, particularly good at this skill but this person is and we can work together because we have the same we have the same vision so it's interesting you said that as well absolutely it's the good stuff it's the positive loop cycle yeah well like i said earlier like you i can tell i can feel your positivity your your dedication your commitment and you know, stuff i've already said really enjoyed this conversation you're very motivational not just for yourself but for me and i hope the listeners as well inspirational and educational and I wish you the best of luck in China and your business in Hangzhou. And uh, like, uh, this was a great conversation. Thank you very much for your time as well, Frank. And really look forward to uh, following your journey and seeing how this ends up. Yeah, me too. Where, so before we go off, where can people find you online? You can Google my name. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on uh, Instagram. I'm on uh, YouTube. I'm on Weibo as of just recently. Nice. Good call. And uh, on Facebook. So just Corey Corbett. That's uh, Corey with no E and Corbett with a double T. Perfect. Well, thanks a lot and Zai Jian. Zai Jian. Ciao. We are at the end of the podcast. Thank you for listening. Like, subscribe, follow, connect, share with a friend. Find me online. Head to my website to learn more frankenz.com F-R-A-N-K-I-E-N-Z-I Go to my website for daily blogs. 
find me on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, Pinterest, YouTube, and of course here on the Anchor app, F-R-A-N-K-I-E-N-Z-I. Thank you very much. Cheers. Figure it out. Podcast. Living. That. Marketing. Life. Fuel. Marketing. Thrill. Education. Inspiration. And motivation.